0: to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Sunday, May 8th. 2022. This is Shannon. And this afternoon, I am here with Brooke, and we are going to share some very, very twisty, frightening thrillers with you. So it's just the two of us. We have six books each, and it should be fun. So we're going to get started with the usual housekeeping information, and then I will start us off with a bang. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so my first book, I think, really sets the stage for all of the creepiness, all of the twistiness that we look for in a good thriller. So this is What Lies Between Us, and it's by John Mars. This is the second book that I've read by him on my own, some of his others, but this is the second one that I've read. So this is the story of Maggie and Nina, and they live together. But there's something very, very different about the way the way they live together, because you see, every other day, they have dinner together. And then, at the end of dinner, Nina helps Maggie back upstairs to the attic where she chains her up. What? And yeah. And so Maggie lives in the upstairs part of the house and she's just always chained up there. There's a longer chain that she uses when she goes downstairs to have dinner with Nina. But the rest of the time, it is a shorter chain that only allows her to move around in the attic. Now she's been living... This way for a number of years and at the beginning of the book you don't really know why you learn that there is a relationship between nina and maggie but you don't <laughs> really understand like what it is and you know how it turned so i don't know brutal um, so we go back and forth in time to like the present when we first understand how Maggie is living. And then we go backward 24 years and we start to see what what led up to this moment. Um, And then you kind of catch up partway through the book. You know, you you understand now all the things that led up to it, but you don't know how it will end. And so then, you know, you stay in the present and you kind of see how it all plays out. this is a very, very quick, dark read. I liked it a lot for the things that, you know, we look for in a thriller. I liked the pacing. I thought it was very, very like well done. I never fully understood like all of the things, you know, I would say, oh, okay. Like I understand like why this thing happened, but then there would always be something else that I felt like I was always just a little bit like out of step with the author. And I really liked it because I get frustrated when I can figure out like all the stuff, you know, too soon in the book. And this one, I definitely did not figure out certain things um, until the very end. So if you're looking for something really dark and twisted, I would recommend this one. It is What Lies Between Us, and it's by John Mars.
1: I think your kitty does not want to read that book.
0: No, she does not. She she has a, a giant meow to give about that.
1: This book sounds like the book that I will first read as my first read of his. I'm ah, yes. definitely going yes. to be finding this now. Yeah, I'm going to be yeah, like you like it. So my book is Daughter by Kate McLaughlin. So our main character's name is Charlotte and Charlotte is she's a regular teen um she when we joined the book her and her friend um have snuck out um as far as Charlotte's mom Gina knows Charlotte is hanging out with her friend um and Gina is very protective um we find out soon um you'll find out soon why this is and she, like, she always wants to know where Charlotte is. Um, she actually has, like, the Find Me set up on Charlotte's phone. And oh. she's always telling Charlotte, like, don't do this, don't do that. Like, she's just very protective. Um, well, one day Charlotte and her friend are hanging out at her house. And they've just smoked some pot. So they're a little bit giggly and stuff. And somebody knocks on the door and Charlotte goes to the door and she opens it up and it's the FBI. So Charlotte's a little stressed out about this because her and her friend are both quite um, high. And also, come on, like, as far as she knows, her and her mom's life is pretty average. So she doesn't really understand why the FBI has come to her house. So they, um, Special Agent Logan. He asks her to call her mom. Her mom. She calls her mom and then hands her phone over. And Logan says, "Like, hey, Gina, um, it's Logan. I'm here to whatever." Like, so totally chatting. Like, they've known each other forever. So, like, Ooh. Charlotte's like, "What the like? I don't even get this. Like, who? How? Who are you? And how do you know my mother?" So her mom comes back. So her mom is a pharmacist, and uh, there's a big secret. Um that Charlotte does not know. Um, she asks Scarlett's friend to go to go home and she begins talking to her. And Scarlett learns that Gina's name is actually Allison. Ooh. And Scarlett's name is Brittany. Um, they're hiding um, because Scarlett's father is the notorious serial killer, Jeffrey Lake. So this is shocking to Scarlett. Like, Charlotte, just does not even know what to think. She doesn't, like, she just, like, she has read about this serial killer, and she remembers even writing an assignment about him, and so all these things are going through her head. Like, how could this be? So Logan starts talking to them and explaining that Jeffrey's, Is dying of pancreatic cancer. And he is telling them that there are some people, there are some more women that have been linked to him, but never like they were never like for sure said that he definitely killed these people. And so he says that he will give those names and locations away of the bodies as long as he is able to talk to his daughter. So he has never oh. he has not seen Scarlett since she was like I don't know, I think she was a toddler. I want to think she, I want to say she was a year or two old. Um so he hasn't seen her since then. Like he used to be this like high power defense attorney. Um and Gina, aka Allison, um she was a PhD of some sort. I'm not totally sure what her degree was. I just know, we just know that she had a PhD. So they were a pretty high-powered couple. And the way that actually the whole thing is discovered is this guy, I forgot to mention, it's right at the beginning of the book, this guy is walking his dog in a bush and his dog comes across the body. And that's kind of how Jeffrey is discovered. So Scarlett is grappling with this and doesn't know what to do. She's upset with her mom. She's upset with the world. She's just like having like totally horrible time. And she doesn't know, like, what are people going to think of me? Like, how can this be? Like, I'm my kind of, my life is kind of ruined. Right. But at the same time, she's angry with herself. Because she remembers the things that she felt about the case and about what she thought of his wife who he she now knows what is her mom so she has this guilt right so she agrees um she agrees with logan to go and to speak to jeff um so they take her to the hospital where he is he's in north i think he's in north carolina she sits down with him and talks to him and she she can see where the charm comes from like he's a very charming man he talks to her very directly about what he did and he's he's not forgiving like he doesn't ask for forgiveness like he's not he doesn't feel bad about what he did he just in his mind Gina should have saved him like he he's like I -hmm. loved your mom because I thought she could save me that she could help (laughs) like the monster stay away so that's how yeah, we learn. That works so well. No, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a the whole bunch of conversations at different times through this, and we get to meet um, Special Agent Logan's family, which is really neat. And there's some little relationships here and there that happen. And her mom, we get to meet some of her family that she's never met before. Like, so she's so like this is such an overwhelming time. Yeah. And of course, the poverazzi or the reporters and journalists have now discovered that this is the case and things happen at back home at her school and people just like turn away from her. And she starts learning like who her real friends are, which I Aww. felt like horrible. Like i like, there were times when I was a little bit teary because I just felt horrible for her. Um, Cause like it really has the whole question of, do we really have the right to be, putting the spotlight on these families like is it really their fault right because like all along Allison everyone believes that Gina aka Allison that she must have known there's no way that she wouldn't have known what her husband was doing because you know we know everything our husband is doing like I will honestly tell you I have no idea what my husband's doing right now as far as I know he's at work but who knows right um, I, I hope he, he isn't
0: you know out killing people um,
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not doing that he's too nice of a guy but you know that's what that's what every serial killer's neighbor <laughs> said he was a real nice guy but it's yeah true. so Did you say that? and this is part of what as I said Scarlett is also um grappling with the whole idea of like how should she feel about her mom and when she had those thoughts that her mom should have known before she ever knew that Allison was her mom that like how like how do you talk to your mom about that and how do you get over your feelings and all that stuff of guilt and of frustration and of anger for being held, kept to this big secret being kept away from them so to find out if jeff tells Scarlett. um where all the bodies are and to see how Scarlett decides to kind of like attempt to right some of the wrongs that weren't really hers like in the end like it's really she did nothing wrong but be her his daughter um you'll have to read daughter by Kate McLaughlin
0: okay so this is on my iPad I have not Read it, but I'm gonna have to move it up because it does sound really, really good. This
1: guy is like creepy creep. Like he actually oh. describes to his daughter like what he does with um what he did with the bodies after the situation. Like he would revisit visit the um like the bur- the burial sites. Oh, so okay yeah. Then.
0: So my next book came out in 2020. This is Girl Gone Mad by Avery Bishop. So this is the story of Emily, Emily Bennett, and she is a therapist. She works with kids who have had difficult pasts. Um, Sometimes these pasts are due to trauma. Sometimes they are due to just like genetic kind of mental illness but she wants to help them so that their futures can be better than what their pasts have been. But what we learn about Emily pretty quickly is that she's also, in a way, trying to make amends for her own past because when Emily was in middle school, she was part of this very like, insular clique. They called themselves the harpies and they were like the most popular girls in school. And they were not always very nice. In fact, Emily sometimes really questioned her place in this group and whether, you know, these were the kinds of people that she wanted to spend her time with. But she was very concerned about what would sort of become of her if she stepped away from them, like she didn't want to be ostracized. But when Grace comes to school as the new girl, all kinds of things happen and what Emily does as sort of a, like a way to, as she thinks of it, like reaching out to this new girl and like bringing her into this group goes terribly, terribly wrong. Oh, so now, yeah. So now Emily, you know, is an adult. She's working, as I said, as a therapist and she has a lot of memories that sort of manifest themselves as nightmares. And so she's always dreaming things that kind of harken back to what she and her quote unquote friends did to grace when they were in middle school and we as the readers don't necessarily know what those things are like you get little glimpses of it through these dreams but you don't fully like understand you know everything that happened but what you do understand pretty quickly is that one of the harpies committed suicide as an adult and just Like, as the book is starting, another one is found dead. And this is also thought to be a suicide. But this makes Emily start to wonder if, like, something is happening. Like, these girls who appeared to have no guilt for years and years about what they did, like, why are they finally deciding, like, oh, you know, I I have to kill myself. Like, they don't reference what happened with Grace as, like, a reason. You know, they don't leave a, a note or anything that says, oh, this is why I did that. But Emily is kind of wondering, you know, if it has something to do with it. And then as she starts, you know, trying to figure this out, she sees someone who looks a lot like Grace, like lurking kind of in the shadows. She thinks this person is following her. And so as the reader, you're kind of wondering, like, is this really what's happening? Or, you know, is Emily's guilt kind of messing with her mind in a way that like she doesn't realize um obviously I'm not going to tell you which it is. Um oh, come on. But I really no, I don't think so. <laughs> but I really liked kind of this look at like bullying and all the ways in which a group like feeds off one another. Um, you know, it, it starts out as just like girls, you know, and they think like, oh, we're just like playing a prank. And then it just gets darker and darker. And even when parts of this group start to think that maybe these aren't you know, the best things to do, um, that kind of mob mentality sort of drives them forward. And it almost becomes like this uncontrollable you know, thing that happens that like no one knows how to get out of now. So this is Girl Gone Mad by Avery Bishop. Um, her second book came out last year. I have not read it yet, but I do really want to.
1: I'm definitely going to be looking for this book as well. Yes. So my next book is Taken from Home, Detective Casey White, Book One by B.R. Spangler. Oh. So as you can guess, guess what? Our main character, her name is Casey White. Yep. So 14 years prior to this book starting, Casey's daughter is taken. Um, She's out in front of her house, and she's coaxed into this car, and she just disappears, and she's never found again. So Casey goes into being a cop. She's a police officer. And she focuses her time on missing persons. And she's always constantly looking for Hannah, her daughter. So she actually, on the anniversary of her going missing, there's a woman who does, like, an artist, like, one of the police artists. She always does um, a new, like, updated picture for her. And so oh, like what she really... might look
0: like as she grows yeah. up.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So she, um, something happens at work, and she is forced to go on a, like, a paid vacation. So she goes off to um, the Outer Banks, North Carolina. Because there's like um, a clue that she was given to, the f- to look for one of like the last clues that she has of the disappearance of Hannah. And she didn't really think it was a very likely clue, but she really has nothing better to do. So she's like, why not? So she heads off to the Outer Banks and she finds the address. And it's like an old um, mechanics shop or like farm. I don't know, something like kind of like that, like junkyard. Like it's like kind of like a mix of everything. But as far as she can tell, like it's, it's shut down. It's been and it's been shut down for a while. So she turns around and she starts driving into town and she gets lost. And as she's looking, trying to find her way back to town, she discovers a young woman on the side of the road. And she's ble- um, she's bleeding and she's naked. So she rushes her to the hospital. And she's really wondering, like, could this be Hannah? But as she gets closer, look, she realizes that, no, no, this is not Hannah. But at the same time, she wants to know what happens. So she waits around, but it's going to be a while. So she decides to go and check into the hotel. So as she's driving, she um, comes across a like a crime scene that she, like, by kind of near where she found this woman. Um. Because when they were looking at the woman, they found that she had previously had a child. So Casey was wondering, like, could this child be, like, stuck wherever this woman was? So she wants to, like, trace back where this person could have been found. Because as far as she's found out, like, this person dug herself out of, like, this burial site. Like, she was buried alive. And she dug herself out and then got to freedom. So as she is going back, to retracing her steps to this, where this woman was found, she comes across a crime scene and she's kind of in a weird kind of way. She's pulled into this whole investigation because this is a small community and they're look, they're waiting for their like detectives to come in and like all these questions she's asking and then she's told them that where she's from and like that she was, she's a detective. And so they ask her if she can come and, like, if they get permission from her supervisor, because she helped them start investigating these cases, because they've discovered a woman in a white nightgown on, this, on the banks of the river. And then as they're investigating, they also discover um, a woman, like, that's been locked in this closet on this, like, burnt out yacht, and they're guessing that that's where the woman on the banks came from so like there's all these three people and you don't know if the cases are all linked like you don't know this yet and so as casey is investigating um one of the uh marine police is also helping her because he his name is jericho he was the former sheriff so he's got a whole investigative background and everyone trusts him. Like he's the good old boy, like not a good old boy, because he's really young, but like everyone knows him because he's grown up there. So uh-huh. she's got him helping and they're working together to discover what's happening. And at the same time, she's still searching for Hannah. So that Ooh. my friends is all I can give you. And like this is just the beginning of the series. Um, Like the newest book came out, I think, on the 22nd. I haven't gotten it yet. But the books that I have read so far of the series have been really, really good. I really, really enjoyed them. There's a lot of twists and turns, even between books. So this is Taken From Home, Detective Casey White, book one, and it's by B.R. Spangler.
0: All right, so... My next book is Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier. This came out a couple of years ago um, and I really enjoy Jennifer Hillier. She has a new book coming out in July that I'm super excited about. Um, She seems to do one about every two years. So this is about Marin, And when we first meet her, her life is as close to perfect as you could get, right? Like she has a husband, she has a little boy, Her husband owns uh, some kind of company, like, I don't know if it's a tech company. I I can't remember exactly what the company is, but it doesn't matter. And she owns a chain of upscale hair salons. So they're very well thought of in their community. They're kind of like the couple that everybody points to when they want to talk about, like, you know, the perfect marriage. But all of that changes one day when... Marin and Sebastian are at a local mall and Sebastian disappears. So the first year after Sebastian vanishes, like everything is, you know, in in like a high drive forward. The FBI is involved, there's all kinds of, of publicity. You know, everyone seems really devoted to helping Marin and her husband Derek, you know, find their son. But after a year, things kind of cool off. Um, the FBI is saying that you know, there's nothing else they can do at this point. Like they have no leads. They're just basically stuck. The publicity has lessened and Marin and her husband are not really speaking to one another. Um, she believes that he blames her for their son's disappearance. And there's a part of Marin that also kind of blames herself for this. So, she decides that she's going to hire a private investigator. She figures that if the FBI isn't going to look for her son anymore, then she can have this PI pick up where they left off. But, you know, when you go poking around into things, even if they are things that you, you know perhaps should poke around in, like your son's disappearance, you learn things that you don't really want to know. And Marin learns that her husband has been having an affair with a much younger woman. This woman is Whoa. named Kenzie. Mm-hmm. And Marin decides that, well, like she's already lost her son. She's not going to lose her husband, too. Like, this is just not going to happen. So she decides that she's going to hatch a plan to get rid of Kenzie once and for all and oh take her husband back. Now, as we know, hopefully we just know this from reading these books and not actually coming up with plans like this. Um, <laughs> these things like don't don't go well. Um, these are not the kind of plans people should make, and this is true for Marin. But there is a very interesting connection that she starts to wonder about between the woman that her husband is, is having this affair with and possibly the disappearance of Sebastian. So now not only is she trying to you know, get rid of this woman, she's also like investigating this link. This is phenomenal in pretty much every way. Um, I don't think I've read a Jennifer Hillier book that I haven't liked. So if you've never read one of hers, um, I highly recommend her and little Secrets would be a great place to start again this is little secrets by jennifer hillier
1: i feel like i've read this i know i've definitely read jar of hearts
0: but i feel like
1: i know that was so good so my next book is after the ink dries by cassie gustafson i hope i said that right so our main character's name is erica um, and when we first begin this book, Erica wakes up in somebody's room and she's feeling groggy. Like she doesn't know, she's guessing she must've drank a little too much or something. There, there had been a party at the house of one of the like big lacrosse players. Um, she went, she attended with her New boyfriend, they had just started dating, and she doesn't know what happened. Like, she's confused. She doesn't know um, where her boyfriend is. His name is Thomas, and she doesn't know where any of her friends are. So, she gets up, she looks around, and she figures out whose room she's in, which is kind of annoying to her because this is actually her best friend's boyfriend's room so she's a little bit stressed out with this because her best friend is also a very she tends to get really jealous of anybody who even like looks at her boyfriend so she's a little bit concerned that that this could cause a problem with her and her friend Uh, yeah and as she's getting dressed she looks down at herself and she discovers that There are names written all over her in Sharpie.
0: Okay, that's bad.
1: And as she's reading these names, but also little comments, like there's one that says um, um, whore and other stuff like that, not nice names. And as she's reading them, she realizes it's all of Thomas's friends. As, far as you can tell, she can't find Thomas's name. So she's hoping. She's really, really hoping that he had nothing to do with this and that he has no idea. So she quickly gets dressed and she's slowly making her way downstairs. because She doesn't want anyone to know that she's kind of like doing the walk of shame um, in many ways. And she hears Thomas arguing with some of his lacrosse buddies. So this is really concerning to her because she's like, why is he not upstairs with me? Like... Should I call him and let him know I'm here on the stairs? Like, what do I do? So she quickly rushes out to her car and races away, goes home. And she's just so upset with herself. Like she feels ashamed and she feels like this book is just full of emotions. Um, she feels like, what did I do? Like, did I do something to cause this to happen? I shouldn't have been drinking. Like, where were my friends? Where, like, where was Thomas? Like, was Thomas involved? Like, what do I do? Like, do I call my friend? Maybe she knows what happened because, like, she doesn't know. And she's like, kind of doing like an exam herself. Like, do I feel any soreness? No, so I must be okay there. And like, you just get all these thoughts that are going through her head. Um, her mom is a really interesting character. Like, her mom's a nurse, and she is such a wonderful mom. Like, she really, really tries her best, and she. But at the same time, like she's working long hours because as I said, she's a nurse and she's trying to keep them in a good place and all this stuff. And you also get to meet her mom's best friend, who is also a wonderful person. And like you can tell And her, she's trying to hide all these things for her mom because she, she doesn't want her mom. First of all, she doesn't want to admit to her mom that this has happened like she's just so ashamed as I said of herself and she doesn't want anyone to know and she's trying to like grapple with all this and her mom's like worried that something's wrong and trying to figure out what's wrong and through this book we get to learn like not only her perspective of what's going on but also Thomas's perspective and we're seeing like how he's grappling with the whole idea of like, how do I act around her? Cause I know what happened. And like, how do I, like, what do I do? Cause I feel like I should have stopped it, but at the same time, like, what do I like, how should I have stopped it? Or what do I do? So as the investigation, the police investigation begins, she gets a lot of questions and she's, as I said, she's ashamed. This is a big, big theme of the book is just the, the the guilt and the shame that her as the victim feels. And you also see the side of, as I said, the accused. And you get to see how the boys are all kind of like, well, she asked for it. Um, she shouldn't have drank so much. So like that whole victim blaming. So you hear all of that part of it all. And Um, As a bit of a, not a bit, but as a trigger warning now is you will see talk of um, suicidal ideations, but also there is some on-page kind of progress towards a possible suicide. And then also the guilt of Erica. What I really liked was there's also a graphic novel kind of aspect to this book, because from what I understand throughout the book, there are pictures, comic pictures, and Erica is a spudding comic artist and her alter ego, she, her name is Erica Strange. And so Erica Strange, all through it, you get this whole like, well, what would Erica Strange do? Because Erica herself is a very, like, shy, very, like, hide, kind of hide away from everything and don't want to kind of whatever. So, like, what would Erica Strange do? Well, Erica would say something. Or Erica would just, like, brush it off or whatever. Like, you get all these little questions of what would Erica Strange do? And how, like, Erica herself is able to kind of, like, get herself to a point where she feels like she's okay with finally pointing at her finger and saying, well, you did this and like things need to happen because it's not right. So I really like that part of it all. So this is after the ink dries and it's by Cassie Gustafson.
0: Excellent. There's like a big um, push, not only in, you know, like, as a book in book kind of thing, but like graphic novels are just a really big thing now. Um, I think it'd be really interesting understand-
1: if I could see them, like, because I, I was just was- going to say,
0: I don't yeah. understand them very well. Yeah. Because so much of it is pictures. Okay, so my next book is a debut novel. I seem to have a theme here um, with people either being therapists or going to therapists. I think like four out of the six books I have today, have something to do with a therapist. (laughs) So this is A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham. Um, This came out in January of 2022. So it was one of the first books I read this year and it is incredible in pretty much every way. So Chloe is our main character and she is a psychologist. She lives in Baton Rouge and she is getting ready for her wedding. And on the outside, she's kind of got it all together. You know, um, sure, she struggles sometimes with some bad dreams and sometimes she wonders how much control she really has over her life. But only people who know Chloe really well are aware that, you know, these are things that she's wondering. And then, a teenage girl goes missing. And shortly after that, another and another. And suddenly, Chloe finds herself drawn into this investigation that mirrors something that happened 20 years ago when Chloe was 12. So that summer, she lived with her family in a small town in Louisiana. And over the course of the summer, six teenage girls went missing. And by the time the summer was over, Chloe's father had been arrested and imprisoned for the killings of these these girls. And Chloe and her mom and her brother are just kind of left behind to struggle with all the feelings about, you know, what they they never knew about her father. And for Chloe, just like, how, how does she sort of, how does she reconcile like the two sides of her father? Like the father that she always knew and loved and then the father that apparently killed all these young women. So now she's sort of torn between like the past and the present. And she's wondering like, how likely is it that like twice in her life, she is drawn into these investigations of missing girls. And so she wonders, you know, like, is she paranoid? Is she just sort of like taking things from her past and like projecting them onto what's going on, or is she really in the path of a killer for the second time? Um, this was just so so nail bitingly tense and wonderful. Um, I had a lot of empathy for Chloe. I think, you know, she was in a really hard spot all through the book. And as we move back and forth in time between the past and the present, you kind of see like little things that help you understand kind of who Chloe is today and why she does struggle with some of the things that we see her struggling with in the present. I really hope that Stacey Willingham writes, um, more books. This one was apparently optioned as a limited series um, for author Emma Stone. And I'm really hoping that, you know, the notoriety that it's gotten will perhaps spur her into writing something else. This is A Flicker in the Dark, and it's by Stacey Willingham.
1: I love this book.
0: It's so, so good.
1: So my next book is Blood Will Tell by Heather Chavez. So our main character's name is Frankie and Frankie has a younger sister named Izzy. And Frankie has always been very protective of Izzy. Even when Izzy doesn't really feel that she needs to be. Um, Izzy doesn't always make the best decisions. And one of these not so great decisions that she made was five years prior. And Izzy went out to um, like a kind of like a wooded area with some buddies and they drank and they did some drugs and they played a game that was called Paranoid. And oh. each of them would ask, like they would ask a question, and then they had to like do something to be able to decide if we would get the answer or not. It was kind, of, it was kind of a messed up, question, a messed up game. Personally, so it's one probably one of those games that you could only really play if you drink or um, do enough drugs. Like that's the kind of game it is. So
0: okay, we won't play that game.
1: No, no, you don't want to play that game. So. <laughs> five people went and only four came home so izzy that night calls frankie and she tells her that she's been in a collision and that she is too drunk to like to drive home and that she needs her to come pick her up so frankie rushes over and she finds like this distraught Izzy saying that I, I hit her. I don't know what to do. I, I killed her. I don't like Rebecca's missing. So she, Frankie goes and she walks in like a walks around the car and doesn't see any bumps or anything. And she also like walks in the ditches, doesn't find anything. And so she walks a little bit further because um, Izzy says, I'm pretty sure she ran that way. So Frankie thinks that she, like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's, like, could it be an animal she's talking about? Like, she has no idea because there's no way that she could have hit her friend. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't believe that this happened. So Frankie comes across the body of a deer, and it's a girl, a girl deer, and she's dead. So she's thinking that this must be what is he, what Izzy hit. So she bundles Izzy back into the car, and she drives her home, gets her all like set up, and they fall asleep. So her friend never comes home, and we don't really ever know what happened to her. So we're back in present time, and Frankie's doing her thing, and she's got this adorable son named Julian, and he's so cute. He's like he has like he likes to ask all these questions, like he's just really cute. So she's hanging out with making breakfast for him and then she's dropping him off at school and then when she's at this convenience store grabbing some stuff she notices somebody like checking out her vehicle a bunch and then the police come by and they start asking her questions and she finds out that somebody is saying that her truck was seen at the scene of um an abducted young girl So Frankie is like well I was never out like I don't know what you're talking about and my kids were at home and like I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Like I went to bed and there's no way I would have left my son in the house by himself or anything. So then she gets let go and she goes and she picks up her son in the evening and she's making dinner and Julian just happens to say like mom why did you leave last night? And she's like what? No, no. What are you, like, what are you talking about? Like, he's like, well, I heard the door close and then I heard the truck drive away. Oh. And so she's like, okay, well, that wasn't me. So she kind of thinks and thinks that so I like, had to be Izzy. So she confronts her sister and she finds out that her sister took her truck. But her sister says she has nothing to do with the abduction of this girl. Uh-huh. So Obviously, Frankie wants to know what's what. So she starts investigating. And we find out the connection between this girl and Izzy. But then we also find a connection between the girl and the missing friend of Izzy's. Oh. And then a body is found. Like, a, um, I think it's bones. Bones are found. Oh. Oh, um, bones. Near where five years ago, um, Frankie had picked up Izzy. So obviously things are getting a little hot for everyone. So if you want to know if they find the young girl and what this all has to do with the bones that are found and with the game that happened that started five years ago and that is is still going on, then you will have to read Blood Will Tell and it's by Heather Chavez. This wasn't quite as good as No Bad Deeds, like her first one. Oh, I was
0: just going to say I haven't read her first one yet.
1: Oh, it wasn't Um, quite as good as No Bad Deeds from what I remember of No Bad Deeds, but it was still, I still liked it.
0: So my next book also has blood in the title. This is Blood Sugar by Sasha Rothschild. This is another debut novel, and it just came out um, in April. So all the time, like we're talking to people and we'll be upset and we'll be like, oh, like I, I could kill you or I could kill them or whatever. And usually we don't actually do that. At least I hope we don't. But if you're our heroine, who is named Ruby, um, Ruby actually has killed three people <laughs> in her life. And she's only like 25 years old. Oh. Yes. Now Ruby is very sure, like she will tell you again and again and again, that even though she murdered three people, like cold-bloodedly, knowingly, she's not a sociopath. Like she had very good reason for killing these people. (laughs) Do we all say that? Yes. Well, hopefully we all, um, you know, don't need to say that. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) She, she has like very good reasons for this and she'll explain them to you if, if you ask her. Well, maybe. And Ruby is like just, she presents herself as just like this normal person. She's married. She's a psychologist. I, I don't know that it's very good to be a psychologist if you kill people like in your spare time. I'm just not sure how that works. But I guess it works okay for Ruby. So she, when we meet her, she is in the interrogation room of a Miami police department, and she's being questioned about the death of her husband. Now, Ruby didn't kill her husband. Like, this is a thing that she insists upon and insists upon. <laughs> but how does she prove that she's innocent without revealing sort of the dark secrets of her past? And how sure is she that the police detective who's questioning her, like doesn't know what happened to the three people that Ruby killed. So as the questioning goes on, we sort of follow Ruby as she thinks back over the course of her life and kind of the the three dead people that are in her wake and what led to each of those deaths And how those deaths may or may not be connected to the death of her husband. It's really interesting to read this because like Ruby is such an easy heroine to root for. Even if you know (laughs) that like you just shouldn't be killing people, right? Like it's just not a thing you should do. But once you get inside her head and you sort of learn like all the things that led up to this, like you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, maybe in this circumstance, like maybe it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Even though of course, you know, it, it isn't. And you know that, but there's just something very likable and relatable about Ruby that made this such a stellar read. Um, I think her character really drives the narrative forward even more than the super twisty plot. Um, I highly recommend this. I'm hoping that we see more from Sasha Rothschild. So this is Blood Sugar, and it's by Sasha Rothschild.
1: This sounds awesome. So my next book is The Detective's Daughter by Erica Spindler. Yes. So our main character's name is Quinn. And Quinn is a police officer. Her father, Rourke, was also a police officer. Um, he he had a case that kind of took up all of his time and all of his thoughts and everything. And in the end, it kind of led to his death. Ooh. A couple of years prior to this, Quinn gets a call from her father, and he says that he has discovered um, who kidnapped Grace Hudson. So Grace Hudson was a baby, and she was taken from the home of this really rich family. Her mother was killed, and she was taken. And we never, like, she was gone. I think, I think she was missing for about 14 years at the point that we joined Quinn. So over the years, as Quinn was growing up, her and her dad used to play like a game where he would get her involved in her his like investigations, and he would show her different pieces of the investigation, and it kind of became like their kind of puzzle time. And they used to do it. There was a game they played together. Um, they even got kind of cl- even closer when her mom died when she was about ten. So it was just her and her dad for the longest time. And so he would, they, one way that they were able to kind of really connect with each other was through helping him with his, her investiga- his investigations. So he was pretty proud of her when she became a police officer herself. And Quinn has a lot of guilt. She blames herself for her father's suicide. Um, she believes that if she had only listened to him and actually gone quickly, that she could have stopped him from committing suicide. And so she's got all this guilt, and she gets called out to a case. Um, there's this business party, and it's been a, there's a killing at the party, and her and her partner, his name is that we call him Dobby, but his name is Dobson. Um, his so they call him Dobby. Um, they go out to the to investigate, and it happens to be the family of this girl that went missing long time ago. Oh. So Quinn starts investigating and somewhere along the way she gets a message like just this mysterious message that says, your father did not kill himself. So she's kind of like, what? Like, who, who left this message? Like, what are they talking about? like the investigators did the investigation and there was nothing found suspicious. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but she starts investigating, looking into um, Grace's case. And as she's investigating, she's kind of like trying to follow the steps that her father took and wondering if maybe she's right in thinking that he did say that she, he solved the case. So he she meets some people along the way that give her some clues. And she realizes that maybe her father did solve the case. And if this is the case, then maybe he didn't commit suicide. So she starts investigating and she gets into trouble from her commanding officer who tells her to leave this family alone. Because as I said, they're this rich family. And she's told to leave them alone, but at the same time, she can't because she feels like, well, if we can discover where Grace has gone, then, then maybe like we can bring like good things to this family. What also sparked off this whole investigation that she's doing is an author named Eaton has come to the town and wants to start investigating. Baby Grace's case, um, because she's learned about it, and there's some other things in her story backstory that we learn that kind of uh, connect why she might be interested in this case. But she's learned about this case, and she previously wrote another true crime book, and she decided that this is the next crime book that she wants to write. So her and Eden, so Eden and Quinn, they start investigating together. And all these things happen because when you start getting close to the answer, then people Uh kind of, they get a little nervous.
0: Yes, yes, they do.
1: Especially after so long of getting away with it. So if you want to know what happens, then you are going to have to check out The Detective's Daughter by Erica Spindler. I'm really really hoping that it turns into a series like it looks like it may like the way she left it Ooh. it looks like it could be so it could be like a Quinn Do- like a Quinn Dobson or Quinn Dobie or me never know maybe sure. we'll see maybe we'll see Eden again.
0: She did a couple books quite a while ago that were like a duology um See Jane Die and One Other One um So it is always possible. So I have one more book, another therapist book, because somehow this is like a a thing for me today. This is The Golden Couple by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekkanen. This came out in March of this year. This is the fourth book that they've written together. Um, I've heard kind of low rumblings that this may be their last collaboration. I hope that's not true. It would make me very, very sad if they didn't write together anymore. So this is the story of Marissa and Matthew. They are an upper-class couple. They live in Washington, DC. They have an eight-year-old son and everyone refers to them as the golden couple. Because on the outside everything looks perfect. I feel like this is a like a trend in thrillers that like people have these really great seeming lives and it's not until you like look deeper that you see, you know, all the nastiness underneath.
1: And I think it thing, tends course, to be I think it tends yeah. to be though the theme even in real life because like you think it's of all these like big like just think of like I don't know Ted Bundy and probably his neighbors were oh, like yeah. oh he was the nicest guy ever and he used to help me like take my garbage out every day or we don't be like really nice yeah, and person I'm... and they end up being this not so great person at all
0: maybe if you have somebody are, Some are horrified
1: somebody you're horrified to know yeah <laughs> so
0: I So Matthew and Melissa, they've been married for quite a while now. Um, If you know them, you know that their marriage has gone a little stale. Like they didn't intend it this way, but they just both kind of got caught up in life and they've drifted apart. And so Melissa, Marissa ends up cheating on Matthew one night and she doesn't really know now like how to come back from that. Like she knows that. She has to tell him and she knows that, you know, it's she can't just like shove it under the rug and and keep on going. Like there are things that need to be fixed in their relationship. So she turns to Avery Chambers. Now, Avery was a therapist. She's not anymore. This is very important to know. But she was. (laughs) She lost her license and she's not upset by this. She says that losing her license is the best thing that ever happened to her because now <laughs> she can treat clients like in whatever way she decides is appropriate. And she's no longer bound by the ethical code of, of therapists,
1: Oh my um, which is
0: kind of a problem. So over the years, she has come up with what she considers to be a proven method for couples counseling. Oh my God. And each week, like you have a certain number of weeks that you see her and each week has a title. And you as the client, like you don't know what, like, what this means, but Avery does. And she has all sorts of oh, unethical ways of like making sure that these sessions go in the way that she intends them to. So she's always a couple steps ahead of her clients. And she always knows more about them than they think she does. But Avery has gotten in the way of some very powerful and not so nice people. And people are kind of following her around. They're leaving cryptic notes for her. Um, And so she's a little rattled when she meets Matthew and, and Marissa. But she still decides that she's gonna take their case. But what she doesn't realize is that There are secrets in this relationship that are far bigger than Marissa's infidelity. And it's these secrets that sort of put Avery and this couple on a collision course that they really can't like turn back from. This I think is one of my favorites um, of the stuff that Vera Hendricks and Sarah Pekkanen have written. Um, I really liked An Anonymous Girl. And I think this one is probably like up there with that one as, as my favorite. Um, but this is the golden couple by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekkanen.
1: I have this book. I have to, I just haven't read it yet.
0: Oh, it's so good.
1: So my last book is a gruesome book. It's the killing lessons. Valerie Hart book one And it's by Saul Black. So our main character's name is Valerie. And she is a... Pardon?
0: I just said, imagine that.
1: (laughs) I know, imagine that, eh? So she's a police officer. And as in many police officer-related books, she's kind of a mess. Um, Her favorite way of taking care of herself is by drinking, so she's oh. got a bit of a she's got a bit of a problem, um, and there's some things in her background that kind of add to this. Part of the reason why she has fallen apart is because three years prior, she started a case that's still going on today. So this case um, is involves a bunch, like a whole bunch of women who have been found brutalized. And, mut- and mutilated and also having things stuffed inside them ah. and it's happening like all over and like they can't figure out what happened like the, the police are they're they're stumped they don't know who's doing it and they can't catch up so when we start the book we meet this family who lives in a rural part of the area. Um this is in Colorado. And some women, some two men have broken into their home and they attack the mother. Um her name is Rowena. Um and they also attack her then attack and kill her husband um, her son. Oh. Um, look, one thing that I will say her son kinda he wasn't I don't think he even knew what hit him um he was listening to his music as most teenagers do not paying attention to anything in the house when he was killed so I don't think he saw anything um Rowena also has a 10 year old daughter named Janelle or Nell for short and Nell lucky for her she was out feeding deer um in her backyard and she comes in, and she hears some noise, and so she quietly sneaks in, and she sees her, her mother at the bottom of the stairs bleeding, and she she's kind of stuck because she's, like, shocked. She doesn't know what, like, what's going on, and she knows something bad has happened, and she doesn't know what to do, so she's kind of frozen, and her mom is kind of, like, telling her, she's like, She can't speak her mom at this point. And she also doesn't want to talk. She doesn't want the killers to know that her daughter is there. Um, She's trying to tell her to run. So Nell hears somebody coming down the stairs. And so takes off running. And the bad, one of these bad guys named Leon, he hears her. And he, he chases her. So he goes and chases her through the woods. But thankfully, he does not catch her and she's able to after many points where she's almost caught and also after getting injured she is able to get to this ro- this neighbor that they have he's kind of reclusive um he's a former author he and he has lost his longtime wife and he's very very Ooh. like distraught about this and he's going through a lot of grief and he just wants to die like he's just he's done And so, and he's also very, um, he's got really bad sciatica, so he can't move very well. So he runs, he runs his house. And so this book is done in, from the perspective of Nell. So we get to see where Nell is and how things are going. And we also get from the perspective of, of Valerie, seeing like how, what's going on in her life, um, how the investigation's going, Um, they don't actually know about this family for a bit. Like they don't, because it's such a remote home and she's a widow. So she doesn't really have a lot of family that would check in on her and stuff like that. So it's not for a bit until you actually kind of like, until Nell actually gets on her radar. Like they don't even know about this child that is missing. Um, We also, the book is also told from the perspective of Xander, who is one of the killers. And we see, like, his background, how him and Leon, Leon met, and also, like, what his whole reasoning behind these killings are. Um, it was really creepy creepy to follow in the footsteps of these killers. Like, they had no remorse, and they were kind of going from place to place in this, like, RV. And so nobody knew where they were because there was no real roots that they were putting down and they would go to these like places where like the people live so far out of town that you just never knew the connections. So you just kind of felt this loss, this whole, like, are they ever going to figure it out? And meanwhile, Valerie and her life is kind of like falling apart. Um, As she's investigating her former, um, I think they were fiance they were they're pretty close to becoming fiancés, comes back into her life. His name is Nick. And there's a whole backstory as to why they're no longer together. And it also he she also has a new coworker who is an FBI agent. And Carla has a problem with Valerie, oh. but we don't really find out until close to the end what this whole issue is i had an idea but you don't get enough clues to know like yes yes i'm totally right until the end until like you're near the end so i thought that was pretty interesting how he was able to keep that all hidden but as i said like this this book is so gruesome um but i love this
0: is kind of a nasty book
1: (laughs) But I loved, loved, loved it. Like the next two books aren't as good as this one. Like if I would say one thing is if you only want to read one book, just read this one. Don't even worry Get about a the other one I've read. And it's so good. Yeah. And I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to give anything away. But if you want to know if Nell is found and what happens to the killers and whether... Valerie is able to solve the case and also help herself out of this spiral then you will have to check out the killing lessons Valerie Hart book one by Saul Black
0: I think this came out in like late 2015 or early 2016 yeah Um, and I read it but I haven't read the rest And that wraps us up for this episode. Hopefully you have found some great thrillers to read. There are so, so many other ones that we could have talked about, but that's okay. That's why there are more episodes. Thanks to Brooke for reading a bunch of books for this episode. Thanks to Christine (laughs) for all of her editing. And of course, we thank each and every one of you for joining us each week as we talk about great books.